What is up, everybody, and welcome back. So today we are going to be doing the AFC West projected starters and their key players. So let's get right into this. So first off, we're going to be starting with the Denver Broncos, who quarterback is Drew Locke, running back Melvin Gordon, Wide receivers, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and KJ Hamler. Tight end, Noah Fant. Left tackle, Garrett Bowles. Left guard, Dalton Reisner. Center, Lloyd Cushenberry. Right guard, Graham Glasnow. Right tackle, Jawan James. Defensive end, Shelby Harris. DT, Jarrell Casey. Ed, another edge rusher, Draymond Jones. Outside linebacker, Vaughn Miller. Inside linebacker, Alexander Johnson. Inside linebacker, Todd Davis. Outside linebacker, Bradley Chubb. Cornerback, A.J. Boye. Cornerback, Bryce Callahan. Safety, Justin Simmons. And safety, Kareem Jackson. So, Drew Locke as to starting quarterback is going to be interesting because he did not play that much last season. They have high expectations for him, and they believe in him. And um, a key addition, Melvin Gordon, the running back. They drafted two wide receivers with their first two picks in Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler. I'm interested to see what A.J. Boye can bring to them and also what Noah Fant can give them. So next up, you have the Kansas City Chiefs, the reigning Super Bowl champion. Quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. Running back, Clyde Edward Hilary. Wide receiver, Ty- Tyreek Hill. Wide receiver, Sammy Watkins. Wide receiver, McCole Hardman. Tight end, Travis Kelsey. Left tackle, Eric Fisher. Left guard, Andrew Wiley. Center, Austin Reiter. Right guard, Laurent Devarney Tardif. Right tackle, Mitchell Schwartz. Defensive end, Frank Clark. DT, Chris Jones. DT, Derek Nanidi. I have no idea how to say that. Defensive end, Alex Oakford. Linebacker, Anthony Hitchens. Linebacker, Willie Gay. Cornerback, Bashad Breland. Cornerback, Charvarius Ward. Cornerback, Rashad Fenton. Safety, Tyron Matthew. And safety, Juan Thornhill. So, obviously, at the quarterback spot, Patrick Mahomes, no contest there. That was an easy call. The reigning Super Bowl MVP and close to winning the MVP last season. And Tyreek Hill is just going to burn safeties in coverage. If you put a linebacker on him, it's basically over. Travis Kelsey is one of a, he's a fantasy superstar. And then on defense, you have Tyron Matthew, who is constantly great every year. So, next up after the Chiefs, we have the Las Vegas Raiders. Quarterback, Derek Carr. Running back, Josh Jacobs. Wide receiver, Tyrell Williams. Wide receiver, Henry Ruggs III. Wide receiver, Hunter Renfro. Tight end, Darren Walker. Left tackle, Colton Miller. Left guard, Richie Incognito. Incognito. Center, Rodney Hudson. Right guard, Gabe Jackson. Right tackle, Trent Brown. Defensive end, Max Crosby. Defensive tackle, Maurice Hurst. DT, Malik Collins. Defensive end, 
Clinton Farrell, outside linebacker Corey Littleton, inside linebacker Nick Kowatkowski. Don't know if I'm saying that right, but cornerback Damon Arnetti, cornerback Trayvon Mullen, a secondary cornerback and safety Marcus Joyner, safety Demarius Randall, and safety Jonathan Abraham. So, drafting Henry Ruggs III, who was Alabama's third receiver, as the first receiver in 2020 NFL draft was bold. Still like... Are you done? By the criticism that he is a bad fit with Derek Carr, Hugs did not... <laughs> Ruggs, sorry, sorry. Ruggs did not catch many vertical passes at Alabama. Um, he caught short and intermediate passes in stride, caught strength, and turned them into big plays. So after Las Vegas, we were on to Los Angeles, the Chargers. After losing Phillip Rivers, Tyrod Taylor at quarterback, Running back Austin Eckler, wide receiver Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Andre Patton. Tight end Hunter Henry. Left tackle Sam TV. Left guard Dan Feeney. Center Mike Pouncey. Right guard Trey Turner. Right tackle Brian Bulaga. Defensive end Joey Boza. Defensive tackle Linville Joseph. Justin Jones. Defensive end, Melvin Ingram. Outside linebacker, Kenneth Murray. Inside linebacker, Drew Tranquil. <clears throat> Cornerback, Casey Hayward. Chris Harris Jr. Desmond King. Safety, Derwin James. Rayshon Jenkins. So, their secondary is one of the best if not the best in the league cornerbacks Casey Hayward Chris Harris Jr. and Desmond King and safeties Derwin James and Rayshon Jenkins that is a about as good as it gets and although they did lose Phillip Rivers they did get a decent quarterback in Tyrod Taylor it's always interesting to see what Keenan Allen brings to the table after a pretty good last year and Mike Pouncey is a Pro Bowl center that should help them out a lot. The Bengals selection of Joe Burrow with the first overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft ticked off a new decade of pick annihilus and draft grades. But before we flip the page onto the next generation of top guys, I thought it'd be fun to look back at each of the number one overall selections of the past decade to see how well they stack up against one another. Using a completely subjective system that that weighed career production, peak performance, and my own personal preference, I ranked the first overall pick of the 2010s from 10 to 1. The task was particularly tricky, tricky to complete considering how unusual the past 12 months have been for the former top picks of the decade. Two are no longer in the league, another two surprisingly remain free agents, and yet another is wildly rumored to be on the trade block. So here's an arbitrary, sorry, an arbitrary 
ranking you didn't even know you wanted that begins with a career you probably haven't thought about in a minute. So that career is number 10, Sam Bradford, drafted by the St. Louis Rams in 2010. So we lead off with the man who boasts the highest career earnings on this list for now. Plagued with injuries and inconsistent supporting talent, the twice-traded Bradford, once for a first and fourth rounder, made a living off of off of promise rather than production. He finished his nine-year career with 103 touchdown passes, tied with Blake Bortles for 24th since 2010, without a single winning record in any given season. Sorry, Bradford stands. I'm not counting his 2-0 and starts to 2017 campaign. Other than winning Offensive Rookie of the Year, Bradford's best effort came with the Vikings in 2016 when he led the league in completion percentage with completion percentage of 71.6 and posted a 20-5 touchdown-to-interception ratio. And yet Minnesota still went 8-8 eight and, eight and finished third in the NFC North. We are on to number nine, Eric Fisher, who was drafted by Kansas City in 2013. One of only two first-rounders from the 2013 NFL Jets who's still playing for the team that originally selected them. Fisher has come a long way in his up-and-down seven-year career. The left tackle out of Central Michigan struggled to adapt to the pro game in year one, allowing more hurries, 35-33, and the same number of quarterback pressures, 47, as draft classmate DJ Fluker, number 11 overall, despite playing 108 Fewer pass-blocking snaps per PFF. But since grading out as as pro football focuses, 97th best player at his position as a rookie, Fisher has improved steadily season after season, even earning a Pro Bowl nod in 2018. Although he missed eight games last year because of an injury, he showed up when Kansas City needed him most, playing 100% of the team's offensive snaps through from week 11 through the Super Bowl, according to next-gen stats. So now we're on to number eight, and I have Jamie Winston down at number eight, who was drafted by Tampa Bay in 2015. So Winston's reckless regard for protecting the football has made him one of the most entertaining players in the NFL, if not the most frustrating. Last year, he became just the eighth NFL quarterback ever to top 5,000 passing yards in a season. And yet that feat was overshadowed by the fact that he also had 35 giveaways and became the lone member of the notorious 30-30 club. 30 touchdown passes and 30 interceptions. Since ending the league in 2015, he has 20 more giveaways than the next closest player, which is Philip Philip Rivers at 88-20. That number alone is three seasons worth of Aaron Rodgers turnovers. Signing with the Saints this offseason could prove to be the reset Winston needs to resurrect his career. The first-hand lessons from an offensive guru and a five-time alum of the 5,000-yard club don't do the trick, wheel anything. So number seven I have as Baker Mayfield. He's drafted by Cleveland in 2018. So I know I wasn't alone in chugging the Kool-Aid on the Browns offense last summer, expecting the arrival of Odo Beckham Jr. to boost Baker to new heights after his historic rookie season. So much for that prediction. Perhaps positive reinforcement was a mistake on my part. 
I needed to take leadership note from the GOAT and go back and go hard on the 25-year-old. So while I whipped Baker a few times in a QB index, just know that I was only trying to be like Mike. So he did win the Heisman Trophy. And, well, it... And so sorry for that short break. Um, but what I was going to say is that I still believe that Mayfield has the arm accuracy and athleticism and relentless confidence to be a winning QB for the Browns. How he rebounds in year three with a new coach and an improved supporting cast should tell us whether he's more like number 23 or Scotty B. So number six I have as Jared Goff. The Los Angeles Rams drafted him in 2016. So where do you rank a guy like Goff, a two-time Pro Bowler who already has a Super Bowl appearance under his belt, but who seems to regress, but he, but who seemed to regress this past offseason as the shine wore off of Sean McVay's offense? I have him just behind Clowney on this list, simply because he. Is it possible franchise QB, but he hasn't shown that yet, and Clowney has proved to be a valuable pass rusher. Even with last year's subpar showing, Goff has enough pro tape to prove he can make the difficult throws be the primary reason the Rams win games, even if he hasn't always had to be. But with Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks gone, though if we're being honest, they were barely present in 2019, the bulk of the Rams' offense burden now rests on the firmer Cal Pastor's shoulders. Luckily for him, he has about $50 million in fully guaranteed money and still owed to him to help manage the added scrinity. So, next up is number five. We mentioned him in the one before. I have Jadavion Clowney drafted by the Houston Texans in 2014. So Clowney has been a disru- Clowney has been as disruptive a run defender off the edge as anyone we've seen over the past half decade. But his inability to unleash that same level of chaos against the past had has muddied his overall value today's NFL. Over the last five seasons, Clowney has graded out tenth or better against the run among edge defenders per Pro Football Focus. Ranked 16th in total pressures with 215, 17th in hurries, 169, 11th in hits, 50th, and tied for 36 in sacks with 31. As fun as his highlights against the run are to watch, crushing running backs isn't what you get paid, isn't what gets you paid in this league. One of the reasons, in addition to his numerous injuries, the number three overall free agent on NFL.com's top 101 list hasn't quite found the market he was expecting. Don't get me wrong, the three-time Pro Bowler is still a plus player who has plenty to offer basically any defense in the league, but he ranks in the middle here because he might not even be the fourth best pass rusher in his class. So number four we have as Kyler Murray. So although I personally thought Josh Josh Jacobs deserved to win Offensive Rookie of the Year, Murray taking home the prize is 
more like no country for old men versus there will be blood than it was the king's speech over the social network. Still such a disgrace. Murray's uneven year one while littered with growing pain performances mostly less left me mesmerized by his ability to process information, execute throws, and innovate under duress. He already has as much turnover-free starts as Baker Mayfield with eight, and as many full seasons with a passer rating of 87 or better than Sam Bradford. Murray played some of his best ball in his two games against the 49ers. Stingy defense, notching five total touchdowns, against zero turnovers while completing at least 70% of his passes in both contests. With a premier wide receiver coming on board via trade, who is DeAndre Hopkins, and a first-round caliber offensive tackle added to the draft, Josh Jones, the soon-to-be 23-year-old has all the needs for a breakout sophomore season, but as as you're well aware by now, I've been let down by a Heisman winning Oklahoma quarterback before. So, number three, I have as Miles Garrett, who was drafted by the Cleveland Browns in 2017. So, Garrett is a tremendous talent who made an indefensible and dangerous mistake last season that has undoubtedly left a stain on his reputation. How he responds going forward will determine whether DeMarc is indeliable or impermanent. Garrett was putting together a Pro Bowl-worthy campaign prior to his season-ending suspension, ranking in the top 10 among defenders in hurries at 26 and disruptions 40, while telling the third most sacks 10 through week 10 per NGS. I'm of the mindset that Garrett hasn't even come close to reaching his apex, so his spot on this list reflects a healthy dose of past performances and expected production. So number two, I have as Cam Newton, who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers in 2011. So Newton authored one of the most dominant seasons I've ever seen by any football player when he combined for 45 total touchdowns, 35 passing, and 10 rushing against just 14 giveaways in 2015 to blow away the competition for MVP and lead the Panthers to their first Super Bowl appearance in 12 years. I know many soured the quarterback after his lack of urgency during their pivotal fumble and his petulant interview post-game, but those few moments don't define an entire season in nine-year careers worth of highlight reel and gasp, including performances. Well, Newton certainly struggled with injuries in photo fall. Faultly mechanics in the 2010s when healthy. There were years when no other player came close to matching his unique skill set. Skill set. He gets the nod over. He he got the nod to win MVP. And also, he is the top free agent available. I'm amazed by this, but he still has plenty of time for a second act. So, number one, I have as Andrew Luck, who was drafted by Indianapolis in 2012. It's hard to believe that Luck played just five and a half seasons in the NFL, considering his impact on the game and the league as a whole. His 33 wins 
in his first three years, despite inheriting a flawed team that went two and fourteen the season before he arrived, or as many as Jimmy Swinston and Sam Bradford had combined during the same span to start their careers. Luck's toughness and big playability in the most desperate of moments helped cement his own legacy in the house that Manning built. Now that we're further removed from the quarterback shocking retirement and the hysteria his decision incited, it's a bit easier to appreciate the totality of what he accomplished in such a short amount of time. Four Pro Bowls, four playoff appearances, 2018 Comeback Player of the Year, 2014 Passing Touchdown Leader, leader celebrated teammate and respected opponent. Had he continued on last year and managed to stay healthy, I thought we might see him capture the league MVP, which would have made the decision at number one more challenging. So, the idea of winning the offseason has become a cliched marker of impending doom. But the fact is, successful teams always have good players and coaches, and those good players and coaches are almost always were on board in the offseason. Some of the teams that made major additions in 2020, of course, are going to get fall are going to fall on their faces once on field action to get underway. But some of them will take major steps forward in large part because of the players they drafted, signed, or traded for, or the coaches they hired. So I've identified the six teams that have enjoyed the best offseason thus far. These teams all put themselves in a position to actually win more games this season by virtue of what they accomplished after the 2019 campaign drew to a close. So number one I have as the Miami Dolphins. So the roster rebuild that began in 2019 under coach Brian Flores and general manager Chris Greyer couldn't be going more smoothly. Let's start with the quarterback position where the Dolphins located a potential answer to their decades-long quest to replace Dan Marino without having to give up any extra draft capital. Because Miami was able to stand pat at number five and still land to a Tiger Volva, the team was also the team was able was also able to add five more players by the early portion of round three, including two more tackle Austin Jackson and cornerback Noah I'm sorry if I pronounced this wrong but I think it's egg by no keen in round one the Dolphins also used their ample cap space to add difference making free agents most notably cornerback Byron Jones linebacker Kyle Van Noy and defensive end defensive end Shaq Lawson and guard Eric Flowers it may take some time for these new piece, pieces to gel, but the Dolphins are once more on the type of solid footing that would have made the late legendary Don Shula proud. Number two, I have as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Some might question exactly how much Tom Brady has left in the tank considering he'll be 43 by the time the season starts. But there's no doubt in the positive impact he's already had on this team since signing on to play quarterback. Brady prompted Rob Gronkowski to emerge from retirement and head to Tampa while also giving a massive boost to the franchise's profile as reflected in the five primetime games and four 425 p.m. ET kickoffs that appeared on the Bucks schedule. 
there's nothing like adding one of the best quarterbacks of all time to provide the rest of the players on this roster with the hope that this will be the year Tampa returns to the playoffs for the first time since 2007. One other piece of good news, the defense should be able to build off a strong finish to 2020, especially with the return of franchise type Shaquille Barrett and the re-signed Jason Pierre-Paul and Nadikam Sue. So number three we have as the Arizona Cardinals. So upgrading the NFL's 32-ranked defense is expected to be the Cardinals' top op- offseason priority and the Cardinals made huge strides toward accomplishing that by choosing Isaiah Simmons number eight overall in the draft as well as by signing defensive tackle Jordan Phillips and linebacker Devon Kennard and Devondre Campbell. One thing that wasn't expected adding one of the NFL's top receivers and finding someone to take David Johnson and his contract off their hands in one fell swoop. With reigning Offensive Rookie of the Year Kyler Murray now, now throwing to multiple-time Pro Bowler and All-Pro DeAndre Hopkins, Arizona should be in position to compete in what's shaping up to be the NFL's toughest division entering the 2020 season. Number four I have as the Denver Broncos. So John Elway has taken plenty of grief over the Broncos reaching three-plus consecutive losing seasons for the first time since 1972. There is a good chance that the skid will come to an end in 2020. First, Elway and head coach Vic Finigo added two quality coaches in offensive coordinator Pat Schroemer and quarterbacks coach Mike Shula, who will help put quarterback Drew Locke in position to succeed in year two. Then Elway radically improved the offense around Locke. Signing Melvin Gordon to pair with Philip Lindsay gives the Broncos one of the NFL's more formidable one-two punches at running back. While ascent young receiver Cortland Sutton was given a boost with the draft selection of Jerry Judy and KJ Handler, that was the first time in franchise history that Denver drafted receivers with its only first and second round picks. Meanwhile, the shaky offensive line was bolstered by the free agent signing of Graham Glasgow and the third round selection of Lloyd Cushenberry. Elway didn't ignore the defense either, trading for A.J. Boye, five-time Pro Bowler Jarrell Casey, and selecting cornerback Michael, sorry if I pronounce this wrong again, Ojumida in round three. The Broncos aren't just quite ready to catch the Chiefs yet, but the gap between the two AFC West rivals should be should be much smaller than it was in 2019. For number five, I have as the Las Vegas Raiders. So when the Raiders opened the season, only four offensive starters, quarterback Derek Carr, left tackle Colton Miller, offensive guard Gabe Jackson, the center Rodney Hudson, will likely be the same from the group that was on the field for John Gruden's first game back as head coach in week one of the 2018 season. The dramatic reshaping of the roster continued this offseason with a slew of free agency acquisitions, including a needed upgrade at linebacker via the signing of Nick Kowatskowski and Corey Littleton, the additions of Demarius Randall at safety and Carl Nassib on the edge and the trio of ex-Cowboys Jason Witten, Jeff Heath, and Malik Collins. The veterans should complement what the Raiders hope will be a productive draft class led by a pair of first round receivers of first rounders, sorry. 
Receiver Henry Ruggs and cornerback Damon Arnett were expected to push for starting spots immediately. The most intriguing acquisition was quarterback Marcus Mariota. I could see him doing the same thing the car that Ryan Tannehill did to Mariota last season and taking the reins should Gruden decide to make a change under center. So number six and the last one for this segment I have as the New Orleans Saints. So Saints GM Mickey Loomis is the Harry Houdini of salary cap management. As usual, he was able to make a number of impactful moves despite facing a less than favorable financial situation like bringing back a Jubilee's signing guard Andrews Pete to an exception, netting safety Malcolm Jenkins and receiver Emmanuel Sanders. Losing backup Teddy Bridgewater to free agency might be migrated to the addition of former number one overall pick Jameis Winston who took a bargain basement deal as he tries to get his career back on track under the toot leg of Breeze and head coach Sean Payton. New Orleans couldn't keep everyone of course but draft choices Cesar Ruiz and Zach Bond should be in line to effectively replace the departed guard Larry Warford and linebacker AJ Klein respectively. This indeed is the 41-year-old Breeze's last season. He should go into it feeling good about the effort the team made to assemble a Super Bowl caliber roster around him. So thanks for listening to this episode. There will be another one either coming out today or tomorrow.